Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. So this morning, I, I want to preach about my dog. Is that okay? <laughs> can, we, can we have my dog? Let's have, let's have my dog on the screen here. There's a, look at that, isn't that cute? See a fluffy face? Look at that. Actually, she, she doesn't look quite, that's, she was about five or six when she's, she's now 11. And uh, she's, uh, she's actually, her ear on her, the left side of her face has actually um, got a big chunk missing now. So we don't have photographs of her anymore. Because <laughs> she, she <laughs> she's looking all old and raggedy now. And uh, she was cute. That was a snowy day, and that's snow on her face. Uh, and uh, so, you know, the funny thing is about um, my dog, which, you know, I've preached about her many times. Um, she, she's been in the journey with this church as we pursued Jesus Christ. She has been there, a faithful hound, helping you along the way. But the amazing thing about Mocha is that she's a chocolate lab, and uh, you'll notice that chocolate labs um, are never guide dogs. You'll notice that guide dogs are either golden Labradors or black Labradors, but never chocolate ones. You know why? They're stupid. <laughs> they are mentally deficient. They don't have the DNA capability of thinking for anyone else other than themselves. So, so they never train them. But Mocha, um, she, she's smart enough for, a, for our house. She's smart enough. She, she understands words for our <laughs> She understands no. She understands hot. Uh, it's quite, quite entertaining when you tell her something is hot and she can't eat it because immediately she, she has been burnt enough times to know that if something hot falls on the floor, she can't eat it. But if it's like a hot liquid, uh, and I'll put it like a hot milk... Um, I'll put it into the... And she'll start sort of licking her lips before she... Her tongue is licking before she gets to it. And she's sort of trying to work her way from the outside in because obviously it's cooler on the outside. And she's working her way around. She, she understands... Um, she understands all the words that you would expect a dog, an old dog, to understand. Um, enough of a, a language to get her through. Um, she uh, understands the word stink... Um, and you stink is, is, um, is enough to get her out of the room. And uh, <laughs> so we use that, and she, she feels very deficient and, and broken. You can see this brokenness enter her face as she... <sighs> off she slumps, she just sort of slouches out of the room. And, uh, but the amazing thing is um, that she has attuned her uh, hearing around certain basic things, and she can tell the difference... Um, in the house when the difference between unloading the dishwasher and loading the dishwasher. She, um, she, has, she, she understands that it's not worth getting out of bed for a clean dishwasher. So when she hears the clunk clatter of pans and, and plates and, and cutlery, um, but she knows the difference between the sound of clean cutlery and dirty cutlery because the moment that sound changes to... Dirty cutlery. Of course, we can't tell the difference, but she can. She's instantly by your side. I did used to think to myself, maybe she's listening for that process. She hears that clunk, clatter, clunk, clatter, 
and then there's a pause, and then it starts again. When it starts again, that's obviously the dirty stuff going in. But I've also discovered that even when the dishwasher is empty, and then you start, suddenly she's there. She, she wasn't anywhere. She was just, just, and she suddenly appears by your side. Uh, and she's very capable of, uh, of just there, just waiting for any food waste that may fall to the ground. Uh, and it's, it's actually quite handy having a dog, if you've never thought about it, from a, from a cleanliness point of view, because they eat everything that falls on the floor. And, um, and sometimes, when, you know when you stuff on the side and you've got to scoop it up and carry it to the bin? Well, you don't have to. You can just go... <laughs> and away it goes... <laughs> gone. It's like having one of those vacuum cleaners that goes around and, and sucks stuff up. But the problem with this vacuum cleaner is they leave as much dirt behind as they suck up. So, you know, it's, it's pros and cons. But here's the thing about my dog, right? No matter how long she has lived with us, she will never be a human. I know it's a shock, isn't it? So she understands human words. She lives her life by human rules. She can read a human face. She understands human emotions. She knows I can walk into the And if something's frustrating me and that sort of internal sigh, you know, when you go like something, you get those moments. If I do that, she's there right by my side looking up at me. I'm, it's all right. I'm with you. I am your eternal hound, <laughs> sent by Jesus to comfort you. She, she has enough intelligence to understand all of those things, but she will never be any more than a dog. She is a dog. She will only ever be a dog when she carks it and, and from this mortal coil, she, she disappears. She will disappear into nothing. I will dig a hole in the ground, put her in the ground. That will be the end of the dog. Her dog existence will end right there. I know it's sad. There is no spirit for a dog. I need you to understand Jesus does not save dogs. Mocha will not go to heaven. There is no heaven for Mocha. This is it. It's the end of the planet for her. She's 11 years of our age. She might get another couple of years out of it. And then that's the end. I'm so stressed. Terrible, isn't it? I need to read you a Bible verse. (laughs) In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, I think that we spend most of our lives living like my stinky dog more than we do as Christ fully intended. We spend our life living with Christ like Mocha lives with us. If she were a hound living in a hound pack, she would be somewhere in a wild place. She probably would be dead by now. Eleven would be extremely old for a wild animal of her nature, right? She, would have, she wouldn't have had that life, but she lives with us. She lives with a luxurious... She, we recently bought her a new bed. It's this padded and she lays out on it. Sometimes she's so lazy she can't even be bothered to get up in the morning. You walk through, you say, good morning, Mocha. She looks at you and her tail just wags. She's not moving. She's laying out in the... She's the queen of luxury. She's not interested. This is a dog that is just lapping up the luxury of living with humans but she's still a dog because she can only ever be a dog 
and she lives with us. But we have been ordained to live not just with Christ, but Christ in us. And when Christ is in us, that changes everything about our lives. It says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. The point I want to get to you this morning is that we have imprisoned Jesus Christ in our hearts, rather than in our releasing him into our whole life. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, he enters into your heart. But what happens with most Christians is we end up living a life with Jesus and he's constrained, he's chained up to the heart, the point of the heart, but he doesn't fill your whole being. And if he doesn't fill your whole being, he doesn't change your whole life. So we spend our life on repeat. We spend our life thinking about the life that we should be having, but we just have our whole life on repeat. Mocha is 11 years of age. She has the brain equivalent, they say, of a two-year-old child. I would say a fairly slow two-year-old child. (laughs) And she lives her year on repeat. It is the same year. Time or she does no idea she lives it on repeat. She lives every day on repeat. In fact, she lives a week on repeat because she knows Sundays are different. She gets Sunday is different. She can see we're all getting ready. She looks at us. She sighs. She goes and lays in her bed. No one will be around. But she knows that when we come home late after church, she's let out to do her business. And then she gets to eat her evening meal early. And she knows on a Sunday she gets her evening meal early. And so she starts asking about half past three instead of, <laughs> instead of the six o'clock when it's normally dinner time. And so at half three, she's coming, she's looking at you and going, come on, it's Sunday. Treat me, <laughs> treat me like it's Sunday. I want food now. And so she lives on repeat. That is her life. That's all she lives. And there are many Christians who are going around and we go around living a life on repeat. And what does that mean? It means that you could be a Christian for 20 years and you could say, I've been a Christian for 20 years. You know what? You're no more a, a Christian at a year old than you are 20 years later because you've been living it for 20 years on repeat. It doesn't matter how many years you've been a Christian, if Christ is still constrained within your heart as you got saved and you haven't matured in your faith, then what has happened is you're living on repeat and the fullness of what Jesus Christ came to do in your life is still constrained. We've chained him up. Jesus says he comes into your heart. You give your life to Jesus, he comes into your heart. But he didn't come just to come into your heart. He came to fill your whole life. Let's have a look at Ephesians chapter 3 and go through this. Again, it says that when Jesus came to enter 
when he came, he entered into our life. It says that he enters into our heart. The second thing it says is that we are filled with his love by the Holy Spirit. Let me just read to you that in verse um, in verse um, uh, 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend, comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, So we see here there are three things that takes place. One, Jesus enters into our heart. Two, the revelation of the love of Christ is how we mature in him. And three, when that process of maturity begins to take place, then what happens is that we receive abundantly, exceedingly abundantly more than we can possibly ask or think. In other words, God wants to fill your life more than you can possibly imagine. He wants you to understand the fullness and the power of what he has done in your life more than you can possibly conceive. But we have to grow and mature in him for that to happen. People are waiting for a miracle, but what Christ is waiting for is to be released in them. He's waiting for people to be released. It says in in Hebrews chapter 5, And we read it also in 1 Corinthians when Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9. Let me read of Jesus. This is of Jesus. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Okay, we understand that. It gets a bit technical. And then he goes on to say, called by God as high priest, this is Jesus, according to the order of Melchizedek. That's quite Strange is if you don't know what that means, Melchizedek was a high priest in the Old Testament before Abraham. There's something very unique about that. We won't get into that this morning. It says in verse 11, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. That's, we, we read that as somebody else, don't we? We can possibly be dull of hearing, right? For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracle of God. You've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of full age. That is those by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You see, Jesus Christ comes into our life and then the expectation is that we will grow and mature in him. But Paul repetitively writes in the Bible that Christians are going, going, hang on a sec, you've been hearing this stuff for years. How come you haven't grown in him? For growth in Christ is the natural process. But what happens is that we lock Christ up in our own hearts because what happens is that we don't want Jesus addressing the real issues of who we are. We can have Jesus. I can have Jesus in my heart. feels good to have Jesus in my heart because I know that when everything else is going on, Jesus, he's there for me. And I've got Jesus there for me. It's like a child. A child only really thinks about themselves. They know 
Mum and dad have got everything sorted. They get up in the morning, maybe you know, they just wonder, I want food. I want this, I want that. I'm go- and there's a list of things that they want and need and they just go to mum and dad and ask for it. They have this simplicity of life and it's, it's, in many ways it's, it's, it's a demonstration of how faith should work in our relationship with God except for this, that God wants you to grow up. And for you to grow up, you've got to get Jesus out of your heart and into your bones. You need Jesus in your bones. What I mean by that, I mean that the full senses of your life, that he wants you to, by reason, it says here, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, but solid food belongs to those who are full age, that by reason of use have their senses exercised. In other words, Jesus fills the fullness of your life. I want you to understand your life can be filled with the fullness of Jesus Christ and your whole senses, your mind, your will, your emotions, your body is filled with Jesus Christ. And we have to understand that there is far more power in God when we are filled, the Bible says, with the knowledge of the love of God. Now, it's important to understand how we mature. Many people think we mature by, by study, by reading the word. You don't mature by reading the word. You just get more knowledge. I, I know lots of Christians who, who they can quote you Bible verse after Bible verse, but they're still broken. It's not enough to read the word. To become the word. Jesus Christ comes to fill your being. So some would think, well, if I worship more. Well, worshiping more is an important aspect. These are all good things, but they don't guarantee. If you, you can still keep Jesus locked up in your heart because all you're doing is you're keeping Jesus there. Meanwhile, your mind is thinking whatever you want to think. Yeah. Bible says in Hebrew, uh, sorry, in Romans chapter 12, it says, by the mercies of God, I, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And then goes on to say that we are to have our minds changed through the transforming power of Christ, that we need to renew our mind in Jesus Christ. Here's, here's the thing I just want, this is a side note for your, li- for your life. Many people wrestle just with the idea of, how God fills their mind. One of the things that Cheryl and I have experienced as pastors is that we have a lot of people come to us who speak about where their mind takes them. Where your mind goes, I've spoken about this many times, where your mind goes, only you know. Don't you? Only you know where your mind goes. Nobody else knows. It doesn't matter how someone else how well they know you, they still don't know where your mind goes. Only you know and God. Many people are held captive to where their mind goes. They've become addicted to the process of thinking. And their mind is taking them away from where Jesus Christ has ordained them to live. In other words, they're not living God thoughts, they're living self-thoughts. Some people get into such a place of, of thinking that they, their fantasy world becomes their alter ego and they're so locked into it that they begin to lose the ability to discern between the physical 
and the imaginary. You might think, well, that's kind of weird. I reckon there's people here today who are struggling with that thought process. I'd be surprised if there wasn't actually quite a lot. But we're not going to ask you to put your hand up. Because nobody wants to admit to nobody wants to admit to anything any issues with the mind, right? Anything, depression, all of those kind of mental health issues is is a, is a big public issue today. But your mind is a place that God wants to fill with His grace, and so the Bible gives us and us. It says, renew it. In other words, daily cleanse your mind of the of the trash that comes from the world that you may be filled with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. How does that work? It's a fair question, isn't it? Because I know this. If I challenge you, think godly thoughts. Mm. I get into a... No, I'm not sure that's godly. So, so, so I get into a pose. I'm going to think holy thoughts. Holy thoughts. Holy, I can't think of any holy thoughts. <laughs> I can't, I've got to think holy thoughts. Think of healing people. It's not how it works. Do you know you can't think holy thoughts? You can't just think holy thoughts. Because holiness is what you do. It's who you are. You can't just think holy thoughts. The Bible says that we're filled with the knowledge of the love of God. The thing about love... And how it matures you is that it stops you from thinking about yourself. So you mature, you go from the first grade of school into the senior grade of high school by changing about the way your attitude and your love for others and how you think of others. When people pursue their own agenda, they're thinking of themselves. When you pursue Christ's agenda, you're pursuing what Christ wants. You stop thinking about yourself. You start thinking about what God puts in your heart. And what changes is that you're now investing your, the fullness of your life. Not just your, not just your heart, but your mind, your body, your will, your emotions. And you're now living holy without even knowing it. People who try and be holy miss the point altogether. They're trying to be something. It's a ridiculous exercise. It is pointless and it doesn't earn you any gold stars. <laughs> if God hasn't got, you've got your name up. You've got, oh, extra five gold stars. Look at that. When I was a child growing up, we used to have this strict Baptist chapel just up the road called Zor Baptist Chapel. And Zor is, is a town in the, in the Old Testament that God assigned as a place of refuge in case you... If you killed someone, you could run by accident, that is. If you kill someone by, by accident, I, I tripped over James's neck, perhaps. And, 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 uh, and James has been, has been mortally wounded. And, and so I run away to Zor, and, and that was a town. But they named this church after that place, which is a little bit ominous, isn't it? Well, that was the, I lived in Zor Villa. That was the house we lived at. It was the old church manse that we grew up in, and uh, which is also a little bit ominous. And, and so we lived in this place. Well, this place was, was the most severe of all strict Baptists. They made free, um, they made the uh, free church one, the ones, they made them look like raving charismatics. They, they, um, and they would have this 
this Sunday walk, and there were certain things that you couldn't, couldn't do. When I was raised as a, a child, you, you weren't allowed on a Sunday to read any other book apart from the Bible, and I was allowed also to read the encyclopedia. No idea why. <laughs> but my parents thought there must be something else you can read other than the Bible. Encyclopedia is what it is. And so we would, we would read the encyclopedia. I read a lot. I read about 1950s computers, because it was an old encyclopedia set. And... Uh, so, but they would, as in our house on Sunday, you would look out the window and there would be people walking the Sunday, the holy walk. And you had to do it more slowly with your hands behind your back. I don't know why, maybe it was because you would sacrifice your face in case you tripped up on a Sunday only. <laughs> Any other day of the week, you would work with your hands, but this is a Sunday and you're not allowed to work. So if you trip, it's face first in the gravel. And they would walk. This slow walk, and they would go, they looked like they suffered severe arthritis. And they, they were in complete agony. Even the children were suffering from this, this dreadful disease. And they would just walk up and down, and they looked absolutely miserable. Because they weren't miserable. It was the most miserable existence you could possibly imagine. And someone told them that that was holy. They were conned. <laughs> They, they, someone lied to them. There was nothing holy about that exercise whatsoever. It was utterly pointless from beginning to end. But somebody thought that that was holy. I tell you what is holy. To be filled with the love of the knowledge of Jesus Christ and to pour out that love into someone else's life. To give your life for others and touch them and reach them and radically affect another person's destiny other than yourself. It's to be filled with the knowledge of God. It's to be filled with his love. When you are filled with love, you are filled with a knowledge which empowers you to do things you wouldn't otherwise do. It gives you a revelation of how you want to live your life. So many people are wondering, what is God doing with me? Well, I tell you what God is doing with you. He's bringing you back to a place where you understand his love so that he can be released from the captivity of just your heart. He wants to be in your hands. He wants to be in your bones. Here it is. A lot of people are asking for healing. James spoke about this um, at the uh, takeover after worship. You see, a lot of people say they want Christ to heal you, but he is your health. He lives in you. Jesus, a lot of people asking Jesus for money, but Jesus, he is your provision. He is the fullness of what provides for you. He flows, it flows out of you, not to you. We've got to understand that if Christ is in me, then the source of life comes not from outside, but from inside. He flows out of me because he is in me. The fullness of it. Jesus fills the fullness. We've got to understand that in going back to, um, going back to Hebrews, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 3. And verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church. You can see where this is going. This isn't just about power. This is about the church. This is about, this is about the generation. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. You see, God wants to do exceedingly abundantly. You know what? You can't live in the exceedingly abundantly if Christ doesn't live in your bones. In other words, you need Jesus Christ to live in the fullness of who you are. You need him in your your heart, in your emotions, 
in the fullness of your life. You need him. Because see, God is not an experience. He is a person that wants your whole life. He can do more than you can possibly think. You know what? My dog thinks of food, walks, and a lot of love, sleep. Yeah, she probably thinks of sleep. She probably actually doesn't even think of sleep. She probably just lies down and goes, what happened? (laughs) She doesn't even know she does it. (laughs) She's too stupid to understand the concept of sleep. She just does it. She thinks of food walks and a little bit of affection. Actually, a lot of affection. She's a very affectionate dog. I think a lot of Christians think of wealth, health, and a lot of love. And just like, love me, feed me, make me healthy. And we just think like that. But, but do you know there's a lot more to life? Yeah. And the reason why we, if we only think about those things, we think that's what children think. If you keep a child loved, healthy, and fed, you've got a happy child for the most point, unless they start getting a little bit irritable. But you know what I mean. You, <laughs> every child has the capacity to stretch the, the boundaries of your love, don't they? And, uh, but here's the thing. We were built for more than just the basics. That is just Christ in your life. See, God cares for the things we care for, but we are not to live like dogs. We're not to live with Jesus. We are to live with Jesus in us. To live with the fullness. Here, let me leave this with you. We live with the master in us, living as the master is us. Let me say that to you again. We live with the master in us. Living as the master is us. See, Jesus filled you. He fills your mind. He fills your emotions. He fills your body. You know, you can receive healing by receiving the fullness of Christ. Do a greater work in me today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me be overwhelmed with the fullness of who you are. Do a greater work. And you see, we are looking for an experience. These, these, these flash moments, which are wonderful moments. They are an important part of our life with Christ. But Christ wants to be with you every day, every moment, even when there isn't that flash. Even when there isn't that dramatic. Even when there isn't that, you can only come to church once a week, well, twice on a Sunday, but you can, you know, you can come midweek, but Jesus is with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He wants you to understand that he's there. His presence is there. And he wants to be that burning presence that is working his way through all of you, released out of just the captivity of your heart into the fullness of your mind, will, and emotions. Let him possess your thinking. Let your thinking be full of the dreams of God again. I remember as a child, I would dream of preaching the gospel. and, And here's the thing, right? I was a classic teenage boy and... That doesn't need any more explanation. (laughs) At the age of 11, I had a police record for misdemeanors we will not go into. I was a classic teenage boy. But God got a hold of my thinking and my thinking began to possess the way I lived. And I didn't really understand it at the time 
But God got into my dreams, and as he got into my dreams, he began to do in me exceedingly abundantly more than I could possibly think or imagine. The first thing he did was he introduced me to Cheryl, which was way above I could possibly think or imagine. I had way more ugly girls lined up before I met Cheryl. (laughs) (laughs) I thought she was well out of my league. (laughs) I had a line of them, yeah, yeah, I suppose, you know. And uh, (laughs) that's dreadful, actually, isn't it? (laughs) You can tell I was a classic teenage boy, like I say. I had, we're human, right? We're all human. We have our human nature. But when Jesus gets a hold of your dream world, he changes everything, begins to shift and change. What happens? He burns deeper within your being and your life begins to change. Many people are going, God, save me, save me, save me. What you need to say is Jesus work in me. Work in me. Work deeper in me. Jesus, be in me more today. What I need is more of Christ in me, not more of Christ rescuing me because I didn't have Christ five minutes ago and I just opened my mouth when I shouldn't have. I need Christ in me. Give me uh, Christ be in me today. We're going to change. I really believe the Holy Spirit is doing something so extraordinary in this house. I believe that there is a fresh work of his spirit flowing. He has brought this church, this congregation, to this place. This is a beautiful place, a a very precious place that we've been brought to. And I know that the Holy Spirit is leading the house to a place of, of, of the full experience of his church growing in strength, in maturity, in empowerment and in commissioning. And I really want to encourage you, even come along tonight. We're going to be laying hands on people tonight to commission. Just Sometimes we just lay hands on people because there's a problem. If you've got a sickness, if you've got a problem. Well, well I want to lay hands on you, because not for a problem, but for a, an answer. To, to empower and commission the house of God to do miracles, to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could possibly think or imagine. Amen? In three, in two weeks, uh, three weeks, uh, we start our new series called I Dare You, and it's the, the follow-on from the adventure series. And we're going to be setting out dares and challenges for this church that we're just going to go and do. Don't do something. Some people, like Cheryl goes, goes oh, I'm not sure I like dares. <laughs> And I, I love dare. Dares are so exciting, aren't they? I remember as a kid being given a dare to go let down the, a, a tractor tire. And uh, this huge tractor parked in the field next to us. And I ran over and pressed, pressed the valve. And, and, you know, you press it and take it away. Well, I pressed the valve and the thing went off. And it wouldn't stop going down. And it was whistling. I was, Did we run out of there? Oh, we, we got out as fast as possible. We're going to do some more godly type dares than, than those. Those are not the dares that we will be doing. <laughs> Let's not dare you to throw stones at cars as they go down Union Street. We're going to dare you to love the people that are around you to pray for those who you have not prayed for, to share your life and faith, dare you to stretch beyond and see your faith be an extraordinary example of what Christ has done. We are here to change a city, amen? Amen. And we're going to encourage and inspire one another to do that. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.